Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Benjamin Grant Kissel here with Travis Francis Morningstar? Francis. Is that it? That's no, that's great though. I'll go. I'll, well, you know what? I'm never telling you my middle name. <laughs> uh, how's everyone doing? Hope you're doing good. Uh, we are excited to have with us. We have an interview. This is going to be the bulk of the episode will Absolutely, be an interview. Yeah. Um, but it's with this fellow. He's a progressive candidate. Uh, he is a Democrat. He's running in 2020. You probably haven't heard of him, but you know what? I think he. It was a great interview, and he did a wonderful job. And um, I think he made a lot of great points. Yeah. Very just common sense, power yeah. to the people stuff. Really, yeah. Yeah, power to the people. And that dude's name is Russell Serencione. Serencione, yes. Serencione. Yes. And you know what? You know, folks, I'm not the greatest with last names, but we, I, I put it together. That's a hard one. It's, it's a not hard the one. easiest one. So that'll be in just a few minutes. Uh, I suppose, first off, what do we have this week? Well, um, Donald Trump has <gasps> managed Uh-oh. somehow to displease every single person now. Um, in the U.S. government, okay, which is pretty pretty interesting. He usually has he has uh, backers for at least you know anything he does. He at least has a couple backers I just d- very um, uh, disingenuously uh, supporting him. I did see Ted Cruz and AOC agreed on something. Yeah, well, so Trump finally pulled out all the U.S. troops from Syria. Uh huh. And uh, that's something that has been you know back into in December, uh, General Mattis resigned because. Trump said we're pulling troops out of Syria, right, but right. that pullout has been extremely incremental until uh, last Monday, where he was he remembered that he wanted to pull the troops out. He and, pulled them out, and then he was like, "Oh yeah, I got to do this now." Um, well, promises kept. You know, this is one of those interesting, strange moments where I I'm happy the troops are out of Syria. Well, uh, Iran and many people are not because I know they're not. Well, because so now the reason why. <laughs> We had troops over there protecting the Kurds. Kurdish fighters yes. who were basically the only people on the ground fighting ISIS and right. also imprisoning ISIS uh, fighters. And over the there. Kurds, of course, were crucial. They were a crucial ally when it comes to the Iraq war and the, as well. The only reason that Turkey, who considers the Kurds terrorists, the only reason Turkey wasn't obliterating them completely was because the U.S. was this sort of prophylactic between between the two (laughs) (laughs) well thank you for that imagery and of course turkey under the leadership of erdogan uh, they have already gone into syria iran is now in syria well they they have been for a long time but and of course the russians so the assad regime it is a win for the assad regime that is a win for uh, everyone except for the u.s because 
now the Kurds are getting obliterated, and mm-hmm. the people, the Kurds that are going to escape destruction, are probably going to side with somebody like Iran, since we have betrayed or them. ISIS, or no, no. Well, ISIS wants to kill the Kurds. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And the Cur- and now those ISIS those ISIS prisoners are being freed because of bomb shelling. It does seem slightly disingenuous, though, when I watch television news, specifically the the left television news, siding with Lindsey Graham. Usually, if Lindsey Graham is upset about something, I'm happy about something. So this, I think it's because Trump is so unlikable. But really, we shouldn't have been there in the first place. And if the Russians want it, they can freaking have it. Because all it's going to do is waste their money. But you're right. It's a massive humanitarian well, we, issue for the Kurds. That's true. We betrayed a uh, an independent sort of fighting group in front of the world. And so... What does that say about our country now? And this well, the we're, same we're outsourcing that... we're outsourcing the the sort of the destruction of ISIS to Don't forget Blackwater is still gonna be there. Oh god. Okay. So we still have our independent contractors there. The US is never fully removed from the region. You know, Donald Trump's campaign is promises made, promises kept. And this was one of the promises that he made. So I actually think it's interesting that we live in a time now where Ellen and George Bush are friends. And we live in a time now where the left has somehow, they hate Trump so much that they like George W. Bush and they like the policies that he put in place. So this is one of the, the foreign policy thing I don't actually disagree with. Are you talking about uh, outsider artist George Bush? Yeah, exactly. Now he paints dogs and feet. So he's a good guy. It's like the only reason we were there in the first place is because of him. And was this done in a proper way? Probably not. Uh, because Donald Trump makes decrees via Twitter that are extremely, extremely important, such as war and death. So, But I, I think that it's fine that the troops are coming back. It's fine that the troops are coming back, but uh, sentencing a bunch of people that have been our allies to death is kind of a pretty pretty Trump way to do that. It it's is pretty a pretty Trumpian up. way to do it, but we'll, we're still there. Don't forget, we are still in the Middle East. The troops may be gone. Oh, but um, but we'll still. Oh, be here, here, this the, you'll love this. So yes, the troops have been removed from Syria, but uh, guess where all those troops were just put? Where Saudi Arabia? Woo! He he removed the trope <laughs> the troops from Syria and put them in Saudi Arabia to protect Saudi Arabia. This just happened uh, an hour and a half ago. Ah, uh, very interesting. Uh, so yeah, uh, you will still you want, be there. You want your troops? You want your troops out of Syria? You're you got that. But now, the monkey's paw. You get them in Saudi Arabia instead. It's all just a shell game. We are still going to be uh, in the Middle East. It literally, this is just so Donald Trump can say that he he lived up to his slogan. That's all that this is. Um, and it's all very superficial, as Travis just pointed out as well. We also have a situation, and I'm not going to get into too much detail on this, but Joe Biden actually did some good things. He made some waves with with younger progressive people regarding his uh, environmental plan. And we're going to did you did you read I his didn't environmental see this at all. plan? I saw that he almost. Um kissed one of the debate hosts uh, that is also very possible because <laughs> he's that senile is, that is you, old habits die hard and i, I don't know i saw i saw a, yes. a clip of him leaning in for a kiss i'm uh it's to- all you know it's it's always a sadie hawkins dance with him although i don't think any ladies have called uh, but, but we will talk about that on the next episode because it's it's actually a pretty good environmental plan 
Um, it's it's pretty good. Also, Elizabeth Warren has just come out with uh, with a few new policies uh, regarding LGBT and uh, infrastructure. So we will talk about that on the next episode. But this episode, we are going to be speaking with Russell Serencione. Um, and he is uh, he's great. He's really interesting. And I think you guys will enjoy the conversation. So here it is. We are now honored to be joined by a progressive Democrat. He is running in the 2020 primary. Russell Serencione is with us. Thank you so much for being on the show, Russell. Really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Ben, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. I love it. I love supporting candidates that are out there fighting for the people and who are currently maybe not getting the exposure that they deserve. So, Russell, your campaign's been humming along here for quite a while now. What are some of the biggest obstacles that you've been facing just regarding getting coverage? And then obviously we're going to kind of go through your policy issues uh, and delve into those and and figure out why you came to those policy uh, conclusions and and really just kind of get to know your platform. But first things first, how's the campaign going and uh, how are you guys planning on breaking through? The campaign is going really well. Uh, We had our best fundraising quarter last quarter. We raised uh, our first $10,000 and... You know, now we are building up our volunteer base. We have eight months until the election, a little less than eight months. And we've been knocking on doors, canvassing at uh, big fairs and events. Yes. And yeah, so we've received a lot of um, a lot of good support from everyone we talk to because we're discussing the issues that people actually care about and want to see done in our in our government. Well, speaking of issues that people care about, there's no better time to discuss ending the corruption in Washington, D.C. And I know this is something uh, that you have said you will do and something that obviously the American people are focused on. That being done, obviously we have the in, uh, impeachment inquiry going on right now with Donald Trump. We'll see what the heck happens with that. That's a whole other can of worms. But one of the things that you do want to ban in order to help end corruption and of course the money that drives washington dc is you want to put a lifetime ban on members of congress as soon as they're done so-called serving the people air quotes uh becoming lobbyists because right now we have a pipeline of people in congress people in power who are almost auditioning almost interviewing for for jobs in the future at these lobbying firms or at these massive corporations to sit on their board. So they do them favors when they're in Congress to assure that they have a job on the way out. So how would you do that? Why do you think that's necessary? So banning our elected officials from becoming lobbyists, really, uh, while they're in office, they won't be thinking about what am I going to do if I get uh, if I don't get elected next year, right? right. And we saw that Crowley, Joe Crowley, who got unseated yep. by AOC, became a lobbyist almost immediately after he lost the the, uh, the the primary. Yep. So the big money drowns out our voices in Congress already, even what they, by funding the politi- political campaigns. But we have to end the revolving door because our elected officials then wind up using their connections that they made while they're in Congress to further influence other people who are elected. Right. And if we if we close that lobby loophole, it would be a great thing for our country. Um, and, you know, the entire corruption issue is really, really it's exactly what our government is supposed to not be. Right. Right. We're supposed to be have we're supposed to have a government of the people. And 
as I'm, I'm a state government attorney, I work for a New York state agency and we're bound by ethical rules that the state has imposed on us right. to, I can't even accept a lunch from somebody if, if they have business before the state. You're like an NCAA athlete. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I want these same ethical rules that we have in our state governments to apply to the federal government, right? Our, our federal representative should have a duty of loyalty right. to the people, and that's what it's all about. Well, how the hell how, – how did we get here then? You know, when did this all begin, in your opinion, when it comes to, as you were just saying, states have strong laws, or some states, like New York State, have strong laws – uh, of course, there's a lot of corruption as well in New York State that has to be dealt with, and we all know that. If you ever read the local papers, you definitely know about that. But how did Washington become such a cesspool of lobbyists? Was it really just you know Paul Manafort and Roger Stone? And the, I know they sort of started it in the 80s, mm -hmm. um, but it just seems like it's getting worse. It is getting worse. It really is. The last presidential election, uh, we saw the biggest amount of spending by both candidates ever. Yep. We saw the the most amount of lobbying going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it really started to get out of hand with Citizens United when yep. the Supreme Court ruled that money is free speech. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now and now we have set up a system where the more money you have, the louder you are. So yep. if you don't have money, you're silenced. Your voice, you're a whisper in another room. Meanwhile, the big lobbyists are, you know, they're they're they have the representative's ear with a megaphone blasting 24/7. So it's been, mm -hmm. it's really, it really got out of control with Citizens United, but right. it's happened for way too long in our country. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and it is. I mean, I would assume then that you would push forward to repeal Citizens United if you had the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that that's and that's only the starting point, right? Um, we have to make clear that money is not speech. Yes. And but we also have to I think we should honestly switch to a public financing system mm. for our elections. So Okay, well that that's very interesting. Can you explain what a public financing system would do for our elections as opposed to what we have now? With as we talk about this uh, on this show regularly, these lobbyists are insane. The NRA gave thirty million dollars uh, to mm. Trump's campaign, and Hillary had a hell of a lot of money coming into her as well. So, what would public financing look like, and why would that benefit the American people? So, there's different there's different uh, expressions of this, right? One expression that's working in Seattle right now is democracy dollars. Every citizen gets vouchers mm. to donate to political campaigns, and it's a use it or lose it. Uh, thing. So if they want to donate to a campaign, they have the hundred dollars and everybody's on a level playing field. Right. Right. Because the fact really, the fact of the matter is really, it takes money to run campaigns. Mm -hmm. But uh, if everybody's on the same level playing field, then that will, uh, that will really limit the, the influence that the big dollar donors have. So the democracy dollars is a great idea. There's also another idea where we can give a federal tax credit of $100 to every person who would like to donate to a political campaign. Mm -hmm. So those are two great expressions of public financing. I mean, also we have to couple with it uh, some laws that we had in the past that just aren't here anymore because of Ronald Reagan and the influence of the media groups. So like uh, free airtime for candidates, equal airtime for candidates. Right. There's so many things we can do to return power to the people. That's a great point, Russell, when it comes to airtime. And people oftentimes, they say, oh, Fox News is the is the mouthpiece for Donald Trump. 
But if you actually look at the 2016 election, he was on CNN more than any other network. And these mm. corporate networks are out there, much like Vince McMahon with WWE. They want to put butts in seats. And in order to do that, you have to have some shocking thing happen on their airwaves. So every single what was considered a gap at the time that turned out to be uh, apparently fine with the American people, uh, every single time Donald Trump made one of those uh, Megyn Kelly bleeding from her wherever statements, um, CNN was thrilled. And they kept on having him on. They had him on 20 times more than any other candidate. And I completely, I completely agree with you. When one, once that uh, happens, then it is completely unfair to the other candidates. Right. Do Do you remember when, uh, the, when um, CNN I think showed a empty podium ab- about Trump about to have a speech, and they didn't show Bernie Sanders' gigantic rally. Yep. Yep. Do you remember, like at that point, like where is the equal airtime for candidates? I mean, and you're and you're right, like. The corporate media really has the interest of gaining viewership, but yep. they also they also don't they don't have a interest in telling the public the news that we need to know. Yep. You know, you know, that's a void that's been filled by independent independent journalism such as yourself. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's what the people really need. We need a media that cares about informing the public, yeah. not not with sensationalism news and things that will dominate network airwaves for 24 hours that really aren't substantive. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. Uh, Have you found that the people that you're speaking with as your boots are on the ground going door to door talking to folks, have you found that they have lost trust in mainstream media sources, in corporate media that again is just chasing the dollar, not chasing the truth. Have you? Do people are people aware that they're when they're watching television news, they're watching a reality show, not so-called actual hard news? Because I mean, there's still a civil war going on in Yemen. Uh, Syria is still, you know, a, a total war zone. Mexico has sixty thousand murders a year. We don't hear about any actual news. We mm-hmm. just hear about now it's the impeachment inquiry, which sounds like a lot of the conversation sounds a lot like the Mueller report uh, conversation, a lot of speculation. It sounds more like sports media uh, than actual hard journalism. Do people find are, are people waking up to that? Well, I think I think people are definitely waking up to it, uh, but I think in less numbers than we would like than we would yeah. hope for. Um, you know, the media controls the Overton window of communication and if if 90% of people are thinking about only the impeachment inquiry it's not good for our public discourse it's not good for um our conversation for making our government and our society better right uh, and that's what we should be focused on you know but yeah so people i think people are losing trust in the media because of what you said like the focus on sensationalism um and you know what a part of our job as even candidates is to let people know about independent sources of media. We yeah. talk about, we talk about the shows that we watch. We talk about uh, other sources to learn, get our news from, and people really appreciate that. Absolutely. So let's go on a little bit and continue our conversation about ending corruption in DC. Another plan that you have, and when I was running for office here in Brooklyn, uh, this was high on my list when it comes to uh, political reforms. Um, you want to implement Congressional term limits uh, and stop this, uh, like you mentioned, Joe Crowley, the person that AOC replaced, 10-year congressman 
who hasn't shown up in the district in what seems to be about nine terms. You know, he was there for the first term, ran hard, and then he just assumed he was going to get a pass because he had a D next to his name. So why do you want to put in place congressional term limits? How would that benefit Washington and how would that benefit the people? So uh, so our representative, he's been in there for almost 30 years. Dang. Yeah, and he's represented his district uh, for that for a long time. Um, basically, we basically term limits would uh, would provide new opportunities for people for for the public and provide new uh, avenues for um, representatives that represent their constituents. Right. You know, once when you're in, in term for such a long time, when you're in Congress for such a long time, then if if you're influenced by some of the big money in politics, then it's time for you to get out. Right. And it seems like the longer you're there, the more connections you make, the more money you see flashed in front of your eyes, and the further and further and the further you get away from why you ran in the first place and you know, the human mind is very easily uh, malleable, as we see in these past three years of now this is becoming normal, the complete insanity coming out of this White House. You mm-hmm. just lose focus on the people that put you into office. Exactly. And that's that's precisely what's happened here. When, you know, the representative Frank Pallone got into office on on an environmental policy, cleaning up the shores, uh, banning dumping into the ocean. Uh-huh. And over t- over time, you know, he's he's been influenced by some of the biggest polluters in the world. He takes money from TransCanada Pipeline, from TransCanada, the builders of the Keystone, takes right. money from Duke and Dominion, PSENG. These are all fossil fuel companies. And it really shows that he has not been recently such a staunch environmentalist as he originally got in for. And people remember him for that environmental policy in the 80s. But now, so you say he's been there for 30 years, and I don't want to focus on him too much. But just as an example, (laughs) as you, um, again, speak with people on the ground, do they just remember what, like, do they remember the words? And are are people really looking at the actions of these politicians, do you feel? Do you feel like people are actually looking at where, where is the money coming from? Who is he taking cash from? How is that manipulating uh, his policy decisions? Do you find that people are sort of, again, I want to use the term waking up uh, to the realization that on the front end, they're saying all the cute things, all the things you love. But then on the back end, all the <laughs> bugs and all the slugs, uh, that's what we really want to look at and what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, people are definitely waking up. Uh, definitely. Um, so there's lots of progressive groups that have been springing up in Middlesex and Monmouth counties. And um I actually got the chance to go to one of his town halls, and every question was essentially, will you support the Green New Deal, and will you support Medicare for All? Mm-hmm. And people are asking these questions because they because they really want these policies. Right. And yeah, pe- people are, are starting to learn about uh, why he wouldn't support these policies. Well, let's let's talk about the Green New Deal then. And again, we okay. are speaking we are speaking with progressive Democratic candidate Russell Serincione. I'm going to say it a thousand times. Russell Serincione, get the name in your head, people, because this man uh, is going to be around for a long time. Serincione. See now it just rolls off the tongue. I love it. Like my grandma. Hey, perfect. <laughs> you know that's not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> Who really has time to go to the post office? I know we here at LPN sure don't. It's hard to make time to battle traffic, find parking, and lug all our mail and packages. It's a real hassle. 
That's why we depend on Stamps.com, one of the most popular time-saving tools for small businesses. Stamps.com eliminates trips to the post office and saves you money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. post office right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. We here at LPN use Stamps.com pretty much every day. Thanks to Stamps.com, we're able to take care of our merch shipments quickly and efficiently so we can concentrate on making the shows you love. Plus, with Stamps.com, you get $0.05 cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. It's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses like us already use Stamps.com. Right now, our listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Top Hat. That's Stamps.com. Enter Top Hat. So the Green New Deal. Now, this is something that you are uh, all in on. You are a proponent of the uh, Green New Deal, and you say it would be an economic stimulus package that could create... 20 million new jobs from transitioning our economy to a 100% renewable energy. So you know, this is hard because, you know, it, that is a massive shift. And I'm, you know, I'm a left of center. Um, but can you explain how to me, how would you get 20 million new jobs uh, when it comes to the Green New Deal? And let's just explain it to the audience. Okay, so uh, so the Green New Deal is a federal job, a federal jobs guarantee, is is uh, the central point of it, right? So the the federal jobs guarantee will end unemployment in this country. There's currently about 15 million people looking for jobs. Okay, it it will provide the job training for what we need to get done in our country, and it will also address many of the great problems at the same time that we have in our country. We're going to clean up our communities. We're going to rebuild our infrastructure. Mm-hmm. We're going to, and we're going to provide a great standard of living for, for people. You know, uh, essentially, this is about cleaning up the very world that we live in. Right. Our, our oceans are filled with plastic. Yep. To clean that up. Our air is polluted. In New Jersey, we get an F rating in air quality. Mm. And, you know, we have so much good work to do in our country. Yeah. That we need a federally funded job guarantee. So right. how so how it will work. So every single congressional district will have meetings of the communities involved. So these are going to be community leaders, members of the community, and we'll get together and we'll decide, here's three of our biggest projects that we need. So in my district, there will probably be something like, uh, we want to build, build a piece of a high-speed rail. Okay. We, we want to build new schools here. And we want to invest in renewable energy. So some, you know, we would probably probably look to do something like an offshore wind farm. Okay. Um, now, those, those three, those three uh, needs are voted on in the community. And once we decide which ones we want to do the most, we will draft up a basic plan of our goals and what we need uh, in terms of funding, jobs, mm-hmm. training, uh, expertise, and we'll apply to the federal government for a grant. 
the federal government will quickly review it and provide the funding for that project. Mm -hmm. And then it's up to then it's up to our communities to actually do it. So it's going to be what our democracy was supposed to be about, right. direct participatory democracy in our yes. community to fund the projects that we need. And that's the key term, participatory democracy. My friend Bitsy is uh, really on the front ground, uh, on the front lines of that battle uh, here in Brooklyn. Participatory democracy. Remember those two words because that is really catching on with a lot of the American people because, mm -hmm. as Russell just said, that is what our government was supposed to be as opposed to what it is uh what it is now why have we lost such a focus on infrastructure in this country i mean i was just my buddy uh many well not many years about eight years ago or so he was one of the last cars that made it over the bridge that collapsed in minneapolis minnesota okay. uh thank god he survived but many people did not uh, you drive through we drive through this country on a regular basis because we go on tour with last podcast on the left and we see crumbling roads. We see buildings that are in disarray. Why? How have we managed to lose focus on what is so important to this country, which is infrastructure, which is allowing people to, to live in a place that makes them feel good about themselves? Because when you look at Donald Trump in 2016 when he was running, his message was so doom and gloom. It was America has failed. America has lost. Um, mm. You know, it was just shrouded in darkness, everything that he was mentioning. And as I was driving up to uh, upstate New York, we were doing a show up in Ithaca. We went through some of these towns that were just dilapidated. So mm -hmm. I was like, because I'm sitting there in my freaking apartment being like, who is seeing America like this? But then I was ignorant because I didn't realize that this country is in disarray. That this country is devastated by economic uh, failures. So do you feel like the Green New Deal or progressive Democrats can acknowledge that our country needs to improve and not just have a message of doom and gloom, but have a message of optimism? Yeah, that's that's exactly what our message is, optimism. Things may be bad right now. We may have issues in this problems, uh, issues and problems in this country, but we can address them with good government for the people. And you're right, we have been neglecting our infrastructure. Over the past 15 years, our federal government has really decided to spend most of our money or our budget on war, right. on tax handouts for the 1%, uh, on, on Wall Street bailouts. And then whenever we talk about making an investment in America or funding the programs that we need to benefit the 99%, all of a sudden, you know, the mainstream media breaks out their propaganda abacus and starts asking, how do we pay for it? Right. You know, we have we need a government that will use Congress's power of the purse for the public good of all people in this country, the 99 percent. So that means mm -hmm. we're going we need good jobs paying a living wage. We need to rebuild our infrastructure. We need high speed rails. We need new schools. We need affordable housing. These are all the things that we need in this country. And yeah. we have to prioritize those things because, you know, we're America. We always we always stand up to our greatest challenges and do the things that are hard because we have to do them. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I have to say I, it's probably because of the corruption in our politics that most of these things don't get done. Right. Um, you know, the, the car industry and the fossil fuel industry, they don't want a robust uh, public transportation system because if we had a robust tr public transportation system, people would buy less cars and buy less gas. You know, 
if we had a, um, a, a federal job guarantee that would create a lot of stability for a lot of people and they'd be maybe less willing to accept jobs that aren't as good. Mm -hmm. You know, it, 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 you also mentioned uh, on your website, uh, and maybe just plug your website a little bit, where can people find it? Uh, how do people donate to you and those sorts of things? Yeah, our website is Russ for Us 2020 russforus dot com, And uh, our social media handles are the same, and there's a donate link there, and we'd appreciate anything that anybody could help us out with. All because right. we're up against the machine here. russforus uh, com. Check out that website. So you mentioned just sticking here with the Green New Deal. On your website, you also talk about national security and right. how getting away from fossil fuels will help national security. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, as we saw with the uh, the Iranian attack, I'm just going to say it was the Iranians because it looks like it was the attack on the oil mm -hmm. in Saudi Arabia causing the, the global markets to go crazy, oil, uh, oil prices spike. Obviously, what happened in Iraq was an oil grab and a mm -hmm. whole other disgusting uh, display of of uh, the United States government using the United States military for its own personal gain to empower and enrich a few folks in office. Uh, how would a, a climate change, addressing climate change and, and getting us off of fossil fuels in the way that we're on them now, eliminating plastics and things like that, how would that help national security? So you bring up an excellent point. Like Most of our foreign occupations have been uh, related to business interests and also, you know, looking for oil across the planet. Uh, if we switch to 100% renewable green energy, uh, we let the energy come to us. We soak up the sun, we capture the wind, we capture the waves to produce the energy that we need here. We don't have to go overseas to look for oil. We don't have to drill in the ground to, to find the oil. So switching to 100% green energy will uh, empower us to be uh, independent from an engine from an energy standpoint we can we can ca the technology is here now we have the technology to go 100% green energy uh, it only will take a massive investment in our country in our economy and that's what the Green New Deal will will do as well I mean right. it's you know not only are we going overseas for oil we uh, we are also facing security threats at home. New Jersey has already hit two degrees Celsius warming. Mm. We just had a massive wildfire here in April that was really unprecedented. Mm. Seeing an uptick in tornadoes. And you know what, For in terms of flooding, New Jersey is the second worst state that will be hit by increased uh, sea levels. Damn. Yeah, so my house is projected to be experiencing bi-weekly flooding by 2035 that's only about 15 years and a few right. months and that, like our district is all shoreline and it's going to affect our tourism industry so we're facing the greatest national security threat of all time and we should treat climate crisis as if there's literal enemies on our doorsteps mm. you know this there's kind of an elephant in the room when it comes to the energy conversation and that's uh nuclear energy uh, what do you think about that? I mean, I think it can be done in a safe way. It is a productive way to create a lot of energy, but just the idea frightens people. Obviously, we have the new hit show on Netflix called Chernobyl. I mean, I understand it's a scary idea, um, but if done 
correctly, and of course that's the big if, it would really be beneficial to our energy supply and we wouldn't have to do so much drilling and we wouldn't have to go into foreign wars and destroy countries for oil. What do you think about that as a component of the Green New Deal? Uh, well, so I'm not so sold on the safety of nuclear power because I think that the nuclear threat still exists. I mean, look at look at Japan, look at, at mm. Russia. And, you know, nuclear waste is highly radioactive and stays that way for 10,000 years. Right, right. It could leak, it could be stolen and, and used against us. I, I think radiation pollution really is the worst kind of pollution because it's like it's essentially undetectable. But then once you detect it, it's too late. It, right. You know? So I'm not sure if we could safely store that waste. If there is some way that we could have 100 uh, percent guarantee on the safety of it then I would consider it. But I, I'm not really sure if we if we could. Do you know Do you know something about the safety? I mean, well, I know that many scientists have said, yes, it is a safe way to go about it. But again, I think it is, uh, as you just mentioned, with what happened in Japan very recently. Uh, yeah, it is. That's because it is such a intense, intense thing. Uh, it is, I think, scary for a lot of people. And perhaps more science has to be done. And then that can become more of a reasonable conversation to have in the future. But just trying to put all all options on the table when it comes to energy, because I completely agree with you. We've got to get out of the other countries. We've got to get off of oil um, as much as we possibly can. We have to stop so much plastic use. And I am like sitting in front of two plastic bottles right now of water. Uh, <laughs> so I am more guilty probably uh, than most people. But let's just move on here because I want to get to your biggest policy issues. And I know the other big policy issue is Medicare for all. And mm -hmm. um, like, let's just explain a little bit. So right now we have roughly 150 million people who do get health care from their companies, from their boss, you know, from from whatever companies they work for. Would those people be allowed to stay with their insurance companies under your Medicare for all plan or would it all be? just government or would you also think of like a single payer idea so medicare for all as i as i like it is the single payer plan okay where the federal government is the funder of the program it's not it's not the provider it is the funder right right uh, the people who currently in, enjoy uh benefits through their employer they're actually paying for their health insurance like indirectly right whenever mm -hmm. their health insurance premiums are raised by you know, in New Jersey, we're going to see a six to six to sixteen percent increase in insurance premiums. Jeez. Yeah, uh, next year, one year, and people are paying for that out of their pockets. They just don't see it, right? right? When when their boss is deciding whether to give them a raise or not, they're also factoring in. Okay, the health insurance is going to cost me six percent more. So I guess you know what? Instead of giving that person a raise, that raise goes to paying the health insurance premium. Right. And so really, so what we're going to do, we're going to make the old system obsolete by switching to a much more efficient, much more cheaper, much more inclusive system with mm -hmm. Medicare for all single payer. So it's not they're they're not they're gaining everything under Medicare for all. There there'll no longer be any deductibles, no copays. Mm -hmm. uh, the insurance premiums won't be going up without their consent. And really what this is about is returning the decision making in our health care to us again. 
Yeah. Because right now, you know, we don't choose anything about our health insurance. Our employer chooses what insurance company we're going to use. Our insurance company decides what's covered and what's not. They decide what doctors we can go to, what network we're in, right. how much pay for our drugs that we need for our lives. Medicare for all will put all of those decisions back into our own hands mm. between it's only two people deciding our doctors and what we need for our health right. and whatever you need is covered under Medicare for all. And so what about as we see on a regular basis and this is truly disgusting. Mm. Uh, what would you do when it comes to these pharmaceutical companies raising prices based on demand and obviously based on importance of the drug to the person that takes it? So if you have cancer and you need to get a very hyper specific drug, they know they have you over a barrel and they jack up the prices to a point that is absolutely and utterly insane because, hey, they figure the insurance is going to uh, be paying for it anyway. Um, so how would you uh, eliminate at the very least, eliminate these pharmaceutical giants who also donate millions to both parties. How would you eliminate their ability to jack up the rates, jack up the prices on drugs that people need the most? So the first thing, uh, demand shouldn't drive the price in, in healthcare because yeah. everybody needs it at some point in their lives. Right. And we need to be focused on healing people and providing the most benefit for the most people at the lowest cost. Uh, so the pharmaceutical industries have complete control over the prices they charge in America. When you compare it with the rest of the industrialized world, their governments actually step in and decide what's a fair price for these drugs. And that's what we, that's what we really need. We need, we need the, we need the public good to be protected, the public good of health. Right. And that has to be protected from the Medicare system and the Medicare for all system will negotiate these drug prices to lower them for everyone. We will invest. So we will also massively invest in research and development for generic drugs and provide and provide those because right now our system actually spends twice as much on marketing for right. these drugs than it does for R and D. Yep. We're going, we're going to, we're going to massively invest in the R and D R and D to find new generics that are cheaper to make. And, um, and really focus on getting people better. You know, it's so interesting. We talk about George W. Bush, obviously best friends with Ellen. Isn't that cute? Um, but, no, terrible. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we talk about George W. Bush in the context of the Iraq War being a huge failure on a regular basis. But what yeah. we also forget is that he was the one who stopped stem cell research. Stem cell mm. research has been proven that if we would have started it back uh, when W uh, did away with it or didn't allow it to go forward, we would be curing, uh, you know, uh, MS, multiple sclerosis. We would be curing these uh, illnesses that are afflicting thousands, if not millions of people. But because we chose not to go forward, we're still seeing a rise in uh, illnesses that should really just be wiped off the face of the earth already. What would mm -hmm. you do when it comes to stem cell research and, and R&D? Because I completely agree with you. It is, and that is the, the true statistic. It's well over half uh, of money that these pharmaceutical companies have goes into advertising. All those ads on TV, those are not cheap, not cheap to buy ad time. Um, what do you think about something like stem cell research and really getting in there and trying to get us 
you know, the place to the place that we should have been. I think we have to significantly expand our R&D efforts in this country, uh, provide the federal funding for everything that we need to, to develop the cures of the future. And, you know, one one thing to note is that so oftentimes the federal government funds the research for R&D, but then the pharmaceutical companies wind up buying the patents or having the right to make those drugs and mm. profiting off of our investments as an American people. Right. So we have to find a way to uh, to fund these programs federally and also provide the research and development findings to all the scientists that are working on this together. We have to collaborate more at a federal level. Um, and I think that what we've learned from human society is we're the best when we work together. Yeah. And right now the R&D industry is not only federally funded, but also we have different companies that really keep their research private and in-house mm -hmm. because they're afraid of it getting out and, and uh, others, someone else producing the product. But right. we really need all of our greatest minds working together on R&D and we will literally like catapult ourselves into the future of curing all these diseases that we have now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely completely agree with that thank you so much for being on the show man this has been really enlightening and just just lastly on your website and again you can go to russ for us 2020.com check out his website check out his platform one of the last things you mentioned on there is your your very pro cryptocurrency which uh, i think is always fascinating yeah what do you like about the cryptos I like cryptocurrency because it is uh it's pretty much internet money right and it solves it solves a lot of um a lot of problems that the the, the double spending problem is solved here, but I like cryptocurrency because it allows currency to be transferred across the across the world for very low a very low price. And I also think that um, so Ethereum is one of the biggest cryptocurrencies that I'm interested in. It has a lot of opportunity to really transform the way that we uh, deal with data, so we can have a public ledger that allows collaboration, allows um, allows for innate trust being built between parties mm -hmm. and we can we can also uh have a public a public record of everything that goes on and there the applications are are literally endless yeah. for this new internet currency the inter, the uh computer for the entire world is the is the uh ultimate end goal yeah. so can you explain what double spending is because i've never actually heard that term before okay yeah sure so so you know, if if I have a, a a picture, say I design a cool meme, and I send it to you. Now you have a copy of that meme, and you can send it anywhere. Right. And I also have a copy of that meme, and I can send it anywhere. And that presents a problem for money because if I send you a dollar on that same method, you have a dollar that you can send it anywhere and also copy it. So now what Bitcoin does and what Ethereum does is it prevents just one uh, one cop one copy is the only copy, the original, and you can't. Like you can't duplicate it, so that's why that's why it's important for money. Uh, it, it's important as a currency, and it's also important for things like digital rights. Photographers can control their their product and and see who's using it, and uh, it's it's really really important, and it's the wave of the future. I like it a yeah. lot. All right, progressive Democratic candidate. He is running in 2020 people so go out there check out russ for us 2020.com russell serenciote check him out man and uh you're doing great things buddy and it's so great that you're involved and and out there and meeting people and and being an active 
participant in our democracy. And hopefully, whatever happens in this cycle, hopefully you stay in politics and, uh, you know, whatever it might be. But hopefully you can stay involved. And uh, hopefully, I wish you the best of luck in this campaign, brother. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. And you know I'll be here for a while because, you know, I'm doing this for my son and his future depends on it. Absolutely, bro. Thank you so much, Russell. Thanks. Have a good day. And I appreciate everything. All right, everyone. There it was, our conversation with RussForUs2020.com. Check out his website. A lot of good ideas. And I hope he stays involved in politics. Yeah, I was just thinking... Um like any the his the incumbent that he's running against has been there for 30 years is that right no i don't i believe the person who was just in his district has been there for, oh, for 30, 30 years. years who's in charge of his district yeah. i was just thinking about like have you ever gotten your uh, under your eyelids clean before like have no. you ever you know we, we we've been on the planet for like 30 plus years yeah and there are some parts of our body that are just like have are grimed with dirt like underneath your eyelids or like some place that you can't even you don't really think about sure well now i'm thinking about you it you just gotta you can't be anywhere for too long you can't have anything is under. that what that was for is that why you made me think about under eyelid yeah dirt? think about the, the 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 like a weird speck of dirt that's been under your eyelid for for decades man why'd you do that to me <laughs> i just <laughs> i mean that's how i think about people who uh stay too long in their jobs I okay guess. yeah no that's a good that's a good point clean your eyelids time for me to go have a nightmare tonight um all right everyone thank you all so much for listening hope you enjoyed the show feel free to reach out on social media and uh you know i don't know let me know what you think um also uh we will i will be at politicon october 26th and 27th Yep, wearing a 10-gallon hat. I'm wearing a 10-gallon hat. I'm going to Politicon. I'm going to be hanging out. So, honestly, that's in Nashville, Tennessee. Come and hang out with me in Nashville. That'll be a lot of fun. And, uh, all right, everyone, thank you all so much for listening. Never forget, hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. 